1: The same.
2: Story about a woman with an issue. Had it 12 long years, didn't know what to do. She heard about a man coming through her time. She fell to a knees and crawled on the ground. She said, yo, she said, if I could only touch, but the give of his garment, I'm gonna give it all. This man, he was the train Who for you and me oh, This man only wanted to make us free Oh yes he did yes oh, Listen y'all, but it
1: and we are glad in it. We are are excited about what the Lord is doing in our lives, and we are just excited at the opportunity to share the gospel one more time. Um, The season is changing, and things are, are going well in our lives, and I just want us to go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to pray that the Lord would not just bless our church and our ministry, but that the Lord would continue to put his hand of favor upon you and your family. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your righteousness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for foundation that you placed inside of us that we might be able to share your word of liberation, your message of hope. In these next few moments, we pray that you would have your way, that you would get the glory out of all that we say, and that your word will not come back to you void. We trust in you. We we honor you we 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 sound the alarm that the righteousness of god is true and even in this time when it seems as if the devil is winning we know that the victory belongs to your church in jesus name i pray and god and amen we're going to look at um genesis uh going back to genesis chapter 6 Genesis chapter six, beginning at the fifth verse. This is gonna give us some foundational stuff as we go into um, our New Testament and we start to work on our testimonies, our personal testimonies. So Genesis chapter six, beginning at the fifth verse. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and it repented the lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart and the lord said i will destroy man whom i created from the face of the earth both man and beast and creeping things and fowls of the air for it repented me that i made them but noah found grace in the eyes of the lord why why noah if i was to take a text it would be why i mean a, a title it would be why <clears throat> why noah the bible is interesting in the fact that we are always looking for those who who are opponents against the scriptures or the bible we're always looking for a reason to say that the content of Bible, or the Bible message, is contradictory and or false, false, because when we remove um, the narrative that the Bible is inerrant or infallible, then we can mirror it with any other self-help book. But to the Christian, the Bible is is inerrant the bible is is not just a self-help book it actually shows us how god relates to humanity through his sovereignty we can't remove his sovereignty and how he relates to humanity through his sovereignty and how he redeems us from the fall through adam one man adam fell so we look um at adam and the whole narrative of creation some would argue that um, that narrative of creation is not biblical one. I mean it's not how the world was made but the Christian narrative of creation is that this is how it was made so we believe this so th- these arguments are in silos because of what we believe because of what we feel because of our faith and when, when it comes to faith you cannot tell a person what or what not to believe or how to believe or when to believe. They just believe. Some people believe blindly. Um we we look at in our politics today. People just really believe in one party over the other. Regardless if that that party, because of their faith, regardless if that party has their best interests at heart, regardless of how um what, what they what the news might bring, they just believe. So we can't begin to Try to get people to not believe once they believe, and that's the problem. We want people to either believe or not believe. There's no middle ground. There's no. There's no uh, uh, shades. It's either black or it's white. It's our way or it's this way. It's not our way, then we kill you. We have seen many people do stuff in the name of Christianity. We've seen many people do stuff in the name of religion because others did not believe. They didn't believe, cut them off. And so we give what we believe a bad name because we're trying to make people believe what we believe. When they don't believe, we get angry and we get upset and we start to get volatile. That's not what God had intended for man. So he uses in, he uses in um bible language that seems to contradict some of the things that we know and or believe about him he uses language like in our text and it repented god we have been telling you that god is all-knowing we have been telling you that God sees all, he knows the end before the beginning, but when you open up the scripture, the scripture uses language that contradicts what we have been telling you, so you feel as if you can't understand scripture on your own because the man behind the desk said one thing, And the scriptures reveal something different. Verse 6, and it repented the Lord that he made man on earth. And it grieved him at his heart. So we look at this language and we look at these terms and we start to identify or we start to measure God to how we feel. to how we grieve to what it means for us to repent. We level him with humanity. So instead of him being creator and sovereign over over his creation, we bring him down to us. This language is what theologians call anthropomorphic it is words that we can wrap our mind around to help us understand how God was feeling within the moment it doesn't necessarily reflect who God is we can't understand why he would make such actions without first identifying the fact that he's upset and grieved. Because if it was just to say that God saw wickedness in man's heart was great and an imagination that they thought was evil continually. And then he says, I'm just going to kill everybody. He would look out of control and angry but because the Bible now gives us language that we can wrap our mind around that this being, this entity, was grieved at his heart. This entity repented the day that he created this human. Now we can understand his next move. But why was he angry? What is it that he sees in man that causes him to repent, so to say, or causes him to grieve, so to say? And can he grieve and can he repent? If he's all-knowing when does the repenting start? If he's all-knowing, when does the grief start? Because he's not caught by surprises. Either he's caught by surprise at the wickedness of man, or he's caught by surprise at the imagination of man, or he's out of control over his creation. If he's out of control of his creation, then he can't be all-powerful. If he's caught by surprise, then he can't be all-knowing. So there's a real theological quagmire here. Because I'm supposed to serve a God that knows all, but the scriptures say that he doesn't know. I'm supposed to serve a God that has all power in his hands, but here yet his creation is running rampant to the place where he now grieves. The solution is not simple. It's complex. The the scriptures sometimes places us in these complex situations that we have to now uh, reconcile so that the believer can have an answer. The Bible says, give every man an answer. Yes, it's complex. It's a complex situation. It's, It's complex. Um, Because either he's not all-knowing and he's just like us, or he is all-knowing, but the Bible is trying to wrap our minds, give us a reason, a way to wrap our minds around how he feels. When Adam and Eve falls, when Adam and Eve falls in the garden, he says, let us remove them or they'll be like us to know all good and evil. They'll be like us. So he removes them out of Eden and he ushers them into another place in his creation where they now begin to reproduce. They now begin to to live out their new lives as fallen creation. When they fell, the thing that is disconnected was their spirituality. They still are able to reproduce. They're still able to enjoy the pleasures of the world, enjoy the food, enjoy everything that God had created around them. But they do so with ego. They do so with an ability to be evil. They do so with selfishness and selfish intent, which God created them to be selfless and to be uh, 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 partakers of all of his creation as as, as one who would be helpers. That's how come when we are reconciled, when we get saved, he says, don't 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 care about yourself, but look upon your neighbor, help your neighbor, be altruistic, be helpful, be guiders of people, be beacons of light, be salt of the earth, be 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 useful in creation, because you're being restored back to where it is that you were supposed to be in the first place. Useful in creation, so he sees the ending. Heart of man and the imagination of man is evil continuously. This is what theologians would now call um, uh, man's nature is totally depraved. And man's nature is totally depraved. So God cannot get into full fellowship with someone who has a depraved nature. This is what leads, this is the leading to sacrifice. This is the leading to why. Um, we, we needed a Christ who would be perfect in creation and obedience, perfect in his knowledge, perfect in fellowship with God. So because of his perfection, he does not need two things. One, he does not need grace. And two, he does not need, or he does not, or he should not excuse me, he should not face death. One, he does not need grace in order to find favor with God. Two, he does not, or he should not face death because the wages of sin is death. Christ is sinless so he should not face death. And he does not need grace. The story of Noah brings on other theological problems. Because God says in verse 7, I will destroy a man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man, the beast, the creeping thing, the fowl of the air, for I it repented me that I have made them. So here's the rub. Not only did Adam's sin affect Adam, but it affects the beast of the field, the creeping thing, the flying thing, and he now repent not that he just made Adam, but he repent that he made all of the things that we now coexist with. The thing that he gives us dominion over falls in Adam also, we are all made from the same thing. That's how come we need the trees in order to breathe, but the, the, the trees breathe back into us. The system is flawed and it repented him that he made it. Here is the line But Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord. The dispensationalists would teach that it was something inside of Noah that causes God to repent. It was something inside of Noah that causes God to find grace. It's something inside of Noah that causes God to hope that Noah now finds favor with God because of who Noah is. Not because of who God is, But because of who Noah is, Noah finds grace with God. And Noah puts up the halt sign like a guy who's running from first to third. And he's looking at the coach. And the coach is first waving him in. And then the coach says, Stop, stop, stop. Stay right there on third base. Because at home, you can probably get out. That it was something in Noah that causes God to find grace. The reform teaches that.
0: Plus.
1: And Noah is also wicked. His imagination and his heart is just like the rest of the people that is described in the text. That grace now is granted to Noah, not because of who Noah is, but because who God is. That the complex nature of this all-knowingness, this all- Mighty, this all powerful being is so far that at one point the scriptures can say that he's grieved, and at another point he can still extend grace. Ah, grace does not just happen through Christ in the New Testament, but we would not even get to Christ except that God. Gives grace. You can go back and listen to our podcast. We talked about when Adam and Eve falls in the garden, that God now clothes them and He gives them, He covers their nakedness after they cover their own nakedness. That is an extension of grace. It's a typology of Him covering our nakedness in sin in Christ. He covers them. With coats of skin from an animal which would indicate the blood that would be sacrificed. That is grace. He gives them punishment, but he promises the woman that her seed will take vengeance, and the seed is promised that will come some generations later through the person of Christ. That is It's foreknowledge, that is grace. He knows that they've fallen. He knows how far they've fallen, but yet he cannot tolerate it to the extent where he takes action. He finds grace with Noah. He finds grace with you. He finds grace with me. He understands the heart of humanity, but he still finds grace in us. And through us, he allows us to pray. He allows us to come to his bosom. He allows us to come into full fellowship with him, knowing that our imagination and our hearts are far from him. There's nothing that we can do in our religious days. No praise too great. No no offering that we can bring that will change who we are as People, the only way that we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind is when He extends the olive branch. We love Him back because He loves us first. Don't let no one else trip you up to believe that God cannot love you. He can look past your faults, look past your disease, look past your. Your, your 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 unjust ways. Look past whatever you have done in your life and extend to you love and grace because love now covers a multitude of faults. The same God who is grieved, the same God who is repentant, the same God extends to Noah grace. Grace now calls us to do what we could not do without it grace now calls Noah to do something that he could not do, except God called him to the task. This all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God calls us into stuff that we would not otherwise do without him. He causes us to triumph, causes us to to be healed in situations where sickness seems to be winning, causes us to be light in situations where it seems that darkness looms the land, causes us to be able to speak words, those things that are not as though they are. He causes us to go out into a dying world, tell somebody about a man who sees our faults, but responds by meeting our needs. He's not like us in the fact that he repents and he's grieving and now he goes about his business without being forgiving. He doesn't hold to the account of his enemies because the Bible refers to our relationship as hostile and we become his enemies. He doesn't hold to our account as creator. He doesn't etch it it out. He doesn't see the best in Noah. He sees Noah for who he is, but he extends grace to Noah. If you come back next week and we we start to get into what happens after this particular event, where he calls Noah and he he, he tells Noah to build the boat and and then Noah builds and he brings on all these animals into the boat. All of these imperfect beasts, all of these imperfect creatures, all of these imperfect beings on this one ship because he extends grace. He doesn't wipe out humanity in Noah's day and save Noah and his family, thinking that it was going to be a reset. And when they got off the boat, that Noah would, would, because of Noah's perfection, he would now produce perfect perfect beings. Noah is still a part of Adam's family. And Adam lived a hundred and some odd years. And Adam created beings after his likeness. Noah is still after the likeness of Adam. Noah's not in the likeness of the creation. Noah is flawed, but Noah has God's grace. Ah, You're flawed, but you have God's grace. You have to forgive yourself because when you don't forgive yourself, what you say to God is, I know you gave me grace, but it's not enough because I can't let go of what I did, even though you have forgiven me, I can't let it go. It's not good enough for me to to pray. It's not good enough for me to give you the worship and honor and respect that you are doing is not good enough for me to love my enemies because I can't let go of my real enemy, which is in me. So I'll hold on to it. I'll hold on to my anger. I'll hold on to my issues. I won't let it go. Because I really don't believe that you can redeem a person such as myself. When we testify, we never really talk about what we what we overcome or how, how grateful we are. We always talked about the bad stuff that we did. You know, I used to do this, and I used to hang out all night, and I used to run women. I used to do, it. and 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 I'm glorifying what I used to be not in terms of thanking him for graciously saving me, but in terms of some people use the, the phrase, then I decided to allow him to come into my life. That's not grace. I tried everything else. So one day I decided to try him. That's not the Bible narrative of salvation. He Look beyond my faults. He invites me to come and cast my cares upon him. By grace, am I saved through faith. It is not of myself, lest any man should boast. It's a gift from him. If any man preaches any other gospel other than that salvation is unmerited, unearned, Let him be a curse. Let him go to hell. Noah did not find grace because Noah was good. Noah find grace because God is good. Same God who's angered at the conditions of man is the same God that reconciles and relates to that man that he's angry with. We are in communion with him. He communicates himself through us. He doesn't give us him in part. He gives us all of him. Dwelling in you, if you are a believer, is everything that God has. We become joint heirs with him. I may not be living. where he will eventually have me to live. I may not be acting out in all of his characteristics, but in me, that is in my reconciled mind, in my reconciled heart, is all of him.
0: With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: there. That's why he said, Lord, I'm with you always even until the end of time. He he doesn't have to show up, he's already there, but he shows up and reveals himself as being there because there's a part of me that feels as if he's not there. How can he be there and not there at the same time? How can he be all-knowing and repentant at the same time how can he dwell in my heart and in my neighbor's heart all of him at the same time we lay hands to stir up the gift that is already inside of us we speak words to stir up the gift that's already inside of us. We affirm to stir up the thing that's already inside of us. We meditate to, to conjure up the thing that's already inside of us. Nothing that None of those acts and actions and activities is going to produce something that is not already in there. It's like the sauce when the mother in the commercial said, what about the garlic? What about this? It's in there if you can understand that everything that you need to live a successful spiritual life is already inside of you which can also lead you to be successful in your natural life the mind of the pauper and the mind of the millionaire rest in you You have to activate which mind you're going to live towards. That's why we say stuff. And now let the weak say, I am strong. By saying it, they begin to activate strength. Let the poor say, I am rich. They begin to activate within them the ability to be what they are not right now. If I continue to say I'm poor, then guess what? I will always be poor because what I say is what's going to reveal itself out of me. I got to say it. I got to affirm it. I got to believe it. His grace now gives me the ability that I didn't have before. I am forgiven for all of my past sins. I am in an eternal relationship with the almighty. He provides for me my daily bread. So I'm grateful. He leads me besides the still water. So I'm grateful. He walks with me. He talks with me. So I am grateful. So if I lead with a grateful heart, when somebody steps on my toe, I'm not going to curse them out. Because if he can walk with me, who has trespassed against him, then how can I not be forgiven with someone who trespasses against me? Now, I don't always do it. But he still yet loves me. There's some people that I don't like, but he still loves me. There's some people that I would probably see and walk right by like I never knew. I'm being real with with me. This is me. I I don't know about you. Everybody else wanna act like they're so holy and altruistic. There's some things about me that I don't like. There's some things about me that I'm still working on. I don't have grace because I'm perfect. I have grace because he gave it to me. Noah finds grace with God. I don't know I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't have grace because he thought that you was all of that. You have grace not because he saw something in you, not because he saw what you become. Everyone who he calls becomes the same thing, one in Christ. There's no, let me get, let me let you in on on this. I've heard this said in funerals, I've preached many funerals and I've heard this said, I know my grandmother's getting a big crown. There's no big crowns. There's no bigger mansions in the sky. There's the streets, there's no VIP section for those that come to God and decide to be whatever we think that they're supposed to be. Just because they made chicken and, and they washed the pastor's feet and they did all of these other things that we think gains them extra favor with God is not true. There was a man that was out in the field and he hires another man in the middle of the day. And he hires this man and he gives him a wage and he tells him what he was going to pay him. And this man works all day long. But the owner of the land continues to hire. This is a parable that Jesus is using. I'm paraphrasing. He continues to hire throughout the day, all the way up until the end of the workday. At the end of the workday, he gives, he starts to make his payouts. He starts to pay by paying the person that came last. And he pays the person the same wage as he paid the person that worked all day. The person that worked all day gets the disgruntled. That person came in at the end of the workday, made the same amount of money I made, and you paid them first. I feel as if I am... I have been dealt with unjustly. The keeper of the field, the owner of the field said, I paid you what I told you I was going to pay you. It didn't matter what I did. I own the field. I own the job. I can pay how I want to pay. What are you saying, Jesus, in that parable? What are you saying, preacher? Grace. Gives the same wage to everybody. Eternal life. It doesn't matter if you were saved 50 years and this person gets saved five minutes. You have no more access to God than they do. Grace extends to each and every one of us, the same access. And if we start to preach this, and if we start to teach people this, and we start to get people to understand this, then we won't have people living beneath their means, looking to you to be their spiritual guru and hero. We want to keep people under our thumb through our religious hierarchies, we want people without our feet. I see people throwing rose petals at preachers feet when they walk in the room as if the preacher is some kind of big wig or some kind. Of, no, we're all sinners saved by grace. He just called some of us to carry the gospel and the weight of carrying the gospel is heavy. Should honor the men and women of God, but we should not lift them up as if they are God. If someone is helping you in your spiritual walk and you have riches or access to some things that can help them in their personal walk, if they're helping you, you should be generous to your preacher. To your community, to your church. If you have to share with the poor, you should be generous because He has given us the wage of everlasting life. The problem is here's the problem, and I'm done that everlasting life is not good enough for us. So we want to be greedy and rob the poor. We want to be greedy and and use people's faith against them to, to take from them so that we can have a jet, so that we can have the biggest house, so that we can, because we're still operating from the place of evil imagination, of ill intent. And it we see how God feels about, about that. It repents him. That he created people like us who would take advantage of our fellow human. But he still gives <laughs> grace. There's nothing that we have done. One, that will catch him by surprise. Two, that he cannot forgive. Lord, I thank you. That in your infinite wisdom, in your power, in your knowledge, in your might, in your will, that you created grace. Grace so that we can have access to you. Grace so that we can pray. Grace so that we can show the world our faith. That even in our business, even in our commerce, even in the things that we do, that we are ought to be gracious to others because you have been gracious towards us. Before we go on with our day, thank you for our daily bread. Thank you for being a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for bringing us out of difficult times and tough situations. Thank you for changing our language. And now let the weak say I am strong. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, thank God, and
0: amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?